Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. We've been busy with the sermon series this last while called A Mile in the Shoes of, as we've been looking at certain people from Scripture, walking a mile in their shoes, and seeing what we can learn from them. And just also as a reminder for you guys, we've also on Facebook, we've been busy with you know recording the testimonies of people in our congregation, and also Henny that came, our original leader, two weeks back. We recorded his as well, you know, to just share the testimonies of how God has worked in our lives and the lessons that he has taught us in life. So please go, feel free. To go and view that as well as we walk a mile in the shoes of the people in our congregation. And always see what we can learn from them as well and be encouraged how God worked in their lives as well. But we've been busy with that and last week we looked at Timothy. Part 1 and we're going to continue with that today. You know, and last week for those of you who weren't here just to quickly recap. We asked the question when looking at the life of Timothy. How can we go further faster? Now, Timothy was this young man, and the first time we read of him in Acts 16, you know, it's the scripture saying, and behold, there was Timothy. In the midst of a lot of disciples and a lot of believers, Timothy stood out a little bit. You know, there's something different about his life, so much so that Paul said, you know, I want to take Timothy with me. He's really going to make a difference. He's going to be of great impact to the kingdom as well. He's kingdom minded, and we're going to look at that today as well. But to the extent that Timothy grew so much and so fast that Paul actually had to write to him and say, people are going to look down on you because of your youth. They're going to think that you are too young. You should not be where you are at the moment. Maybe someone with a little bit more experience should be where you are right now. But don't let them despise you. Instead, set an example. Even in your youthfulness, you will be able to set the example in speech, in love, in faith, in conduct, and in purity. You'll be able to be the example, Timothy. And we ask ourselves, why is that? So that we can learn from him, so that we can have that same mentality, so that we also can go further faster. And we said that Timothy had a teachable spirit. That is it. That is what allows him to go further faster, because he's able to receive from the people around him. And we said, you know, that that pertains to every area of life. No matter what area of life you consider, if you want to go further faster, and you are teachable, and you have the humility to ask, come and teach me what I do not know. Come and correct me where I have misunderstanding. And come and consider what I do in life to show me whether I'm doing it right. In every area of life, we will go further faster. And we also said that the obstacles to that is pride, which is insecurity. Many times we don't want to ask because if I ask, then people know I don't understand. What if they see I'm doing something wrong? And for us to have teachability, we need humility and identity. Because what I do not know, or the misunderstandings that I have, do not define who I am. God does. So it's okay for me to ask. Help me, come show me, come teach me. And come and examine my life. So that I can go further faster. I don't know who of you have gone a little bit further faster this week. As you've reached out to the right people. Something so funny, even at the back when we went to coffee, I saw one of the people in my small group already, you know, just giving some numbers through to Maria. And as I come a bit closer, I'm hearing they're sharing his budget with Maria so that he can help him in the area of finances to go a little bit further faster. 
And already that teachability is there. And I know of at least one person that in the area of finances got a little bit further this week because he had the humility to ask someone that knows. Come and help me. Come and examine. Come and see where I can do stuff a little bit better. And when one thing that we said as well, that in every area of life this is true. But if you don't have teachability in many aspects, in many areas of life, you will maybe eventually end up where you want to be. It's going to take a little bit longer. You're going to have to press in a little bit harder. But you might eventually end up where you want to be. But in the area of faith, you will not grow a single inch. You will not take a single step if you're not teachable. Because God needs to come and show in God. He gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. And today we're going to look at a certain area as well that specifically has to pertain to faith. The kingdom of God. Our relationship with God and our growth in Christ-likeness. But before I dive in, let me just open for us in prayer. Yes, Lord, thank you that we can be here tonight, Lord. Just come and humble ourselves before you, Father. And yes, Lord, tonight I pray, Lord, that we might have the humility, Father, to see where we are at, Lord, to have the honesty, Father, the transparency before you, Lord, the one that already knows where we are, Father, so that you can move us to where we want to be, where we need to be, Lord. And for those here, Lord, that's having the focus that they should have, Father, pursuing you with everything in them, Lord, we say thank you, Father, because it's only because of your grace that we can do that. But left to our own, no good can come. Like you say, Lord, you are the vine, we are the branches. Whoever abides in you bears much fruit. From apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing. Nothing with eternal significance, nothing of value. Can come from our lives if we don't abide in you. And yes, Lord, tonight I just pray, Father, that we would press in a little bit more, Father. A little bit more intentional, seek you. With a little bit more of our hearts, Lord, a little bit more of our strength, a little bit more of our minds. To lift up your name, Father, the one that is worthy. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Like Jesus said, I'm sending another. I will not leave you as orphans, but he will come and he will be with you, the Spirit of truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. That you have made a way for us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're going to look at part two of Timothy's life. It's going to be a quick one. And what we want to ask ourselves tonight is, in the first one we said, yes, how can we go further faster? But now we want to ask the question, how can I build stronger for longer? I love it when stuff rhymes. Afrikaans doesn't quite do that. Love the Afrikaans language, yes, but English is easy. How can I build stronger for longer? You know, when I say from the beginning that I'm not speaking about stuff here and now, I'm not speaking about stuff we will build or businesses or whatever the case might be that would last a couple of years, even a couple of generations. What I'm speaking about, I want to make that clear from the beginning, is how can we build, what can we build that will have eternal significance? It will remain standing for eternity. Because scripture gives us this picture that there's two ways in which we can live. And whatever we do in life at any given moment will either remain for eternity or in the face of eternity will have no significance, no value. It will be burnt up, gone, disappear. And a lot of people have achieved much in this life and it seems significant and it seems really great. But in the light of eternity, it will have no value. 
speaks about Jesus coming back and our works being revealed by fire and only the works that remain, that person will receive a reward. And even if we think about that, I just think what an amazing God we serve. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. But we are dead in our sins and trespasses like scripture speaks, Ephesians 2, dead in our sin. A dead person can't do much for himself. I don't know if you've noticed. And God comes and he makes us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. And then God comes and he pours out his spirit upon us and causes us to walk in his ways and he gives us love and a desire to do his will. Then he sends us out with the power that he gave us to proclaim the message that he gives to us and then he saves the other people and then he rewards us for that. Isn't that amazing? That is the God we serve. Working through us so that he can reward us for the work that he did through us. Isn't that amazing? It's like helping your little boy do something, you know. Even in this week I was fixing a couple of stuff at home and my little boys, they just want to help. Self-dry. They want the screwdriver and they want to they work with it. And when I finish the whole thing, I just give it to them and the screwdriver and they tap a couple of places. And that's basically what God does. And he says, well done, son, here's something for you. But he basically did everything. That is the heart of the God we serve. And it's important for us to know that and to shift our focus to what he wants to come and do in life and through us. Very important. You know, last time we also said it's interesting to know that certain people, when it comes to many aspects of life, they grow. They grow quickly and they do good and they do well for themselves. They're teachable and they read the right books and they ask the right people for input and they grow. But when it comes to the area of faith, they don't grow. Interesting, why is that? It's many times the case. People grow in many aspects of life, but they are stagnant in their faith. They have what it takes to grow, but they simply don't grow. Why? The answer is easy. Because they don't want to. They don't want to grow. Because this is what's interesting about the Christian faith. The growth, the gifts, and the fruit in my life is not beneficial mainly to myself, but for those around me. It's an other-orientated life. In any other area of life, mainly where I grow, it's beneficial for myself, and the focus is myself. But in the Christian life, my growth, my gift, my fruit is for those around me. A tree does not eat its own fruit. If you have a picture, send it. It would be quite cool. But I've never seen that. It's for the people around us. It's an other-orientated life. And that's why it's many times difficult for us to grow. And it's where we have to be honest with ourselves. Before we dive in, I want to ask us the question, where are you in your faith? How long have you been serving and following God? How's it going with your growth? To ask the question, do we want to grow? And how much do we want to grow? You know, do we want to say to God, Lord, use me? Many times we sing that and we pray that, you know, Lord, for anything. Yeah, I am. Use me for whatever you want, Lord. And it's nice to say and to sing, but our life should reflect that with a certain, you know, mindset certain characteristics that we should have, and we're going to see that in this passage tonight. And we want to be used for more than just a bad example that we spoke about last week. You know, at least we are never useless. God can use us as a bad example, but we don't want to be used for that. We want to be used as a good example, like Timothy. To, to be like Timothy, to say, look at the example that he sets. Lord, we want you to use us. So let's see what we can Learn from the life of Timothy. Well, it's not quite someone like him that builds stronger for longer. We're going to read a passage of Scripture in Philippians 2, verse 
from verse 19 to 24. And it goes as follows. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And if we can just stop there for a moment. Again, you know, Timothy stands out a little bit. And I feel a bit sorry for the guy that took the letter to the church in Philippi because his name's Ephroditus and it speaks about him in the rest of this passage. And he says he's also a good example, you know, and we should really consider such men and we should honor them because he almost died. He risked his life for the sake of the gospel to supply what was lacking in their service to Paul. He, he risked his life for the sake of the gospel. And he's sending this guy with the letter to the church in Philippi and he's going to read it or at least stand there when they read it, but he's also going to note that there's not quite someone like Timothy. You know, thank you, Vreditas, for your work almost dying for, for the sake of the gospel. But there's not, not quite someone like Timothy. I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of feel for the guy. But I know that he has been encouraged by the example that Timothy said as well. But again, we have to ask ourselves the question, and Scripture gives a couple of words here when it says, you know, there's not quite someone like Timothy that will generally concern for the people. It says there's no one like-minded. I have no one like-minded with the same mindset that Paul had, that Christ had, that I can send to you. There's no one who will really care for you, really build you up. Will really be concerned for your welfare, not the welfare that you think you have, not the needs that you think you have, but the real needs, the real concern. There's not quite someone like Timothy. And if I can ask us the question there, you're sitting, what do you think the next verse is going to say? Why? Why is there not quite someone like Timothy? that will care for these people, like Timothy will. We read in verse 21, For this is the reason, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. I was a son with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him to you, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. For they all seek their own interest, not Timothy. He seeks the interest of Christ. They are focused on their own kingdom, their own sake, and their own things. But Timothy is kingdom-minded. He has the concerns of Jesus at heart. He's thinking about the interests of Christ. That is why there's no one like him. I don't note if you guys see the correlation there. Do you see the link? Do you see the heart of God for us in that verses? Why will there be no one like Timothy who will care for you like Timothy will? Because he has the interest of Christ in mind. What is the interest of Christ? That is us, his people. No one will care for you like Timothy because he cares for what Jesus cares for and Jesus cares for you. Do you see that? These people, that is the interest of Christ. That is what God is focused on. That is his concern, is his people, his bride, the one for whom he will come back one day. That is the concerns of God. That is the interest of Christ. His people. Isn't that just amazing to note? He cares for us. And if we have the heart of Christ, who will we care for? God's people. Because that is who God cares about. That is his interest that he has in mind. And to give a little bit about context 
what Paul is saying here and why he's saying this to them. He said, yes, I'm sending Timothy because I want to know how is it going with you. But I'm also sending him as an example. The things that I've written to you in this letter, the example of faith that I want to see in your life. Timothy will be an example of that. Imitate this guy. For he will come and show you what I've written to you in this letter. And for us to understand the example that Timothy set and why it's important and what it has to do with building stronger for longer, we have to understand what Paul's writing to the Philippians. And he writes to them, Philippians 1 verse 27. And he says, only let, with socks, as the Afrikaans will say, if there's one thing that you note, that you consider, that you take from this letter, only let, remember this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are. How does this life that is worthy of the gospel look like? That you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That is a life worthy of the gospel. I love what the Afrikaans says. It says, A levenswandel wat belein met die evangelie. A lifestyle, approach to life that is worthy of the gospel. Everything that I do aligns with the gospel of God. And it speaks about unity. Being one-minded, side by side, striving for the faith of the gospel. That is a life worthy of the gospel. And you might ask yourself, okay, but what does a life worthy of the gospel have to do with building well? Anything out of line, not worthy of the gospel, is not building well. Each and everything that we do that is worthy of the gospel will remain for eternity. Everything we don't will simply pass away. This is Jesus saying to the disciples, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Let go of your own interest. Take up your cross, the interest of Christ, and follow me. Otherwise, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. That is it. Let go of your interest. Take up the interest of Christ. Follow me. It's the only thing that will give eternal value to your life. This is Jesus saying in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I will set you over much. Where will he set us over much? In his kingdom. Eternal value. This is Jesus saying, Luke 6, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? For the one that comes to me, hears my words and does them, I will show you what kind of man he is like. He's like a man that dug deep and built a foundation on the rock. And he built his house. And when the storm comes, when the waves comes, not if, but when, when it comes and it broke loose against that house, the house remained standing because it was built well. But the one that hears and does not do, the one whose life is not in line with the gospel, it's like a foolish man that built on sand. And when the waves come, not if, when, it broke loose against that house and great was the fall of it. Nothing remained standing because it was not built well. Everything in life is to be in line with the gospel, worthy of the gospel. And many times we have many ideas of what that means. But Paul's going to break it down here for us. What does it look like? What is the characteristics that someone has that is going to live a life worthy of the gospel? In unity with the body of Christ. In unity with the head, that is Jesus. 
We cannot be in unity with Jesus, but out of unity with his body. We cannot love the head and not love the body. It doesn't quite work that way. And the only way that we can truly be in unity, if we only let go, all of us, of our own interests, set that aside, take up the interest of Christ, then we come into unity. Then we are one in mind, one in spirit, one in love. It's the only way we can be in unity if everyone takes up the interest of Christ, the one who's worthy of it all. Then our life comes into unity. And so that we are not deceived, Paul comes and he breaks it down a little bit more. But how does that look? How will we attain to that unity? And Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4, the next chapter. And he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. How does that look? Do nothing from selfish ambitions or conceit. And the Greek word there for nothing means nothing. Do nothing, not a single thing. From selfish ambitions or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Why? So that you bring your best to them. Because they are significant in Christ. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is how unity looks like in the gospel. That is the humility, that is the mindset that we need. If we want to come into unity with God and His church, if we want to live a life worthy of the gospel, that is it. It's not being, you know, crazily anointed and doing a lot of works for the gospel and just, you know, raising the dead and doing all of that. That comes, yes. But this is it. This is where it starts. And this is where we need to be honest with ourselves and where we are and ask ourselves the question, but do I really consider those around me more significant than myself? Am I really looking out to the interest of others? Am I really doing nothing out of selfish ambitions or conceit? Whose kingdom am I busy building? Because there's only one that will remain standing. And it's important for us to ask it in this times that we're going through as well. Last couple of Mondays at intercession, we got a bit of a warning. Be very careful when the world is shaken, not to set your mind on earthly things, but to remain focused on God. And it happens so easily and so quickly when stuff shakes, to let go of the focus, to quickly just consider ourselves. And we forget the focus that we are supposed to have in life. And it's difficult to shift back, and we're going to see why that is in a moment. And the reason why we need to be honest with ourselves is because we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. In chapter 1, verse 17, Paul writes, and he says, certain people are proclaiming Christ. They are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambitions. That is the reason they preach Christ, out of selfish ambitions, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And in this week, as I was busy preparing the sermon, I got a WhatsApp from a guy and at first I couldn't remember who he is. And I said, yes, I don't have your number. Who's this? And he reminds me a couple of years back when we were busy doing our ministry training program at Franz Hook, I met this guy at a strawberry farm. You know, he said, you know, while we were busy speaking, he really feels the call of God to ministry. God wants to use him mightily in his kingdom. 
like, yes, that's true for every believer, but nonetheless, I, I get what he's saying, and he has that zeal and that passion. God wants to use all of us mightily. But he really feels, you know, this call to preach and to lead in the church of God. And I said, yeah, that's great. Why won't you join us Sunday at our local church, and I'll introduce you there to the guys, and you can start serving under them. Start packing out the chairs, join a small group. And then as you grow and they lead you, you will get to where you are called to be if it's really God's call for your life. But don't you want to come and serve? We did not see him that Sunday. Didn't pitch. And in this week, he lets me know it's been a hard time through this COVID. He has lost everything. His house, everything. He's homeless. And he knows now that he should come and serve under a couple of leaders at church. Don't we have a job for him? It's like if you only listened then. If you only listened then. Because the waves came, it broke loose. And great was the fall of that house. Because it was done out of selfish ambitions and conceit. Not in humility. Not regarding others more significant. And it's important for us to note. Because it's easy to seem like we're doing the right thing. But we do it many times for the wrong reasons. In John 6, there's a crowd following Jesus. And we think to ourselves, well, that's the call of the gospel. Seek God, follow God. They're following him, they're seeking him. And Jesus turns around and he speaks to the crowd and he says, you're not following me because you saw the signs. And when it speaks about signs in the gospel of John, it's Jesus. Signs pointing to him and his deity. He is the son of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And Jesus is saying, you're not following me because you realize who I am. You are following me because you ate yourselves full of the loaves. Because he gave them bread. And they discovered our, our interest can easily be met if we just keep following this guy. Much easier. Oh, how he will come and he will just give me what I need. And Jesus is saying, you are following me. Because you want to build your own kingdom. You have your own interest at mind. And here we really need to be honest with ourselves and where we are. And there's one place where this other orientated lifestyle will show us where we really are at. And that is our prayer life. That is our prayer life. To show us if we are really focused on the interest of others or only ourselves. Many times we are so self-focused that we don't even pray to God for ourselves if we don't need anything. Then there's no prayer life. But I rarely pray for the needs of others because I simply don't have that heart for them. I'm not focused on the interest of Christ. When we read through the scripture, something that just stands out to the disciples and the apostles. Timothy writing, this letter comes from me, Paul and Timothy. And we always remember you in our prayers. Whenever Paul writes a book to the churches, he says, I'm always remembering you in my prayers and I'm praying for you. That you might know the will of God. That you might have a greater revelation of who God is. That you might know to what he has called you. That you might have strength. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you might understand the love of Christ. That you might be filled with the fullness of God. But I'm always praying for you. Something special. Showing that other orientated lifestyle. When you are busy speaking to God. When no one can see. And you lift up the needs of others. How God comes and he blesses that. And that is where our growth comes from. Because when we ask the question, how can I build well? You can only build as well as you are a good builder. If you're not a good builder, you can't build well. Our growth is in that. Lord, how do I become a better builder? 
so that I can build your kingdom well. It's in that last verse, but also the interest of others. As I draw near to God in prayer and ask him, Lord, show me how I can help those around me. How can I encourage them? How can I teach them? How can I lead them to you, Lord? And God says, that is a heart that I can pour out my anointing and my spirit upon so that my kingdom can be built. Because you are focused on those around you. And then all of a sudden we discover our gifts and we grow. Because we are focused on those around us, the kingdom of God. And that mindset is found in Christ. The example was set by him. The rest of this chapter, you can can read it at home. Speaking about Jesus. That is what enables us when we consider his example. From verse 5 to 11, it says, Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ. That is where this mindset is found, in Christ. Where are we supposed to be in Christ? Focused on what? Christ. Then we have this mindset. And it says, although he was in the form of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of this universe, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being found in human likeness. What is the form of a servant? Human likeness to serve God. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on earth, in heaven and under the earth. And every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then it says in verse 12, as you have obeyed, in my presence, much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God works in you to willing to work for his good pleasure. He's giving you the desires to focus on those around you. He's working in you. All that I ask you is have this mind that is yours in Christ. Set your mind on the things of Jesus. Focus on his people. Work out your salvation. It says in Ephesians 4 verse 12, it says the following. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, speaking about the leadership gifts God gave to the church, the fivefold ministry. Their work is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The saints, the work of ministry. What have we, what have we been called to do? What is the commission God gave each and every one of us? To build up the body of Christ. And because Timothy knew this, Paul says, there's none that I can send to you quite like him because he understands the call there's a beautiful scripture in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 and it says the eyes of the Lord run to and throw the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him isn't that beautiful how do I build stronger for longer when God comes and he shows himself strong on your behalf because you are focused on him the African says when we have an undivided heart towards him not God's kingdom and, simply God's kingdom, because he's worthy. God comes and he shows himself strong, because he wants to build his kingdom. We don't need to convince him to come and work through us. And many times we feel like we have to convince God to come and do something, because it's when we're focused on what we want to do. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Chronicles 3, 1 Corinthians 3, you can go and read that from verse 10 
to 23. And it's Paul speaking. And he says that you are God's building, God's people. You are God's building. And by the grace given to me, like a master builder, I've laid a foundation. And no one can lay a different foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The eternal foundation. You are God's building, being built upon that. And he urges the church and he says, each one must consider carefully how he builds upon this foundation. Consider carefully. Are we considering carefully how we are building upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ? He says, because we will either build with gold, silver, or precious stones, or with wood, hay, and straw. Meaning you will either bring your best, or you will bring what's left. And I urge you, bring your best to the kingdom of God, because our work will be revealed and disclosed by fire. On that judgment day when the fire of God comes. And if your work remains, you will receive a reward. But if your work is burnt up, you might be saved, but only as someone that got plucked from the fire. Even this picture of you are standing in your home and a fire comes and burns everything to the ground, but God just plucks you out of the fire. You have nothing. Everything's burnt up. And God says, okay, you can enter now, but everything that you've worked for, every breath that you breathed, every single mile that you walked, worthless, burned to the ground, will be remembered no more. Imagine that. And I know that we don't want to live lives like that. And the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 5 verse 12 and he says to the church, you should have been teachers by now. You should have been at a place where you are able to instruct others in their faith, but you need again someone to come and teach you the basic principles about the word of God. Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Because I don't have the interest of Christ at hand. This is going to be effort. Now I need to study the word to teach other people. This is going to take time and effort. It's not beneficial to myself. Not knowing that God's provision through us is also his provision to us. As he works through us, he blesses us. He uses the one that gives water to water himself, Scripture says in Proverbs. Because it's not beneficial to me. And I want to ask us this question so that we can know where we are. Do we have the ability, do we understand God's word in a way that we can go and proclaim the gospel to those who haven't heard it yet or that don't understand it as they should? Do you have that ability? And if you have the ability, do you do that? Do we go and proclaim the gospel to the world? And many times the answer is no, because we simply don't care about their salvation. No, it's quite harsh, but it's the truth many times. Because if we did care, we would have gone into the world. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The interest of Christ, his people. And those who should still be added to the church. Are we making disciples, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? Because I don't have the desire, Lord. If we are honest with ourselves, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort. But God calls us to do that. That takes us to point number two. A mile in the shoes of Timothy, part two. Only a heart focused on the interest of Jesus can build with eternal value. Only a heart focused on the interest of Jesus can build with eternal value. And this is difficult for us. Like, we really need humility and transparency and honesty before God if we're going to redirect our focus. Why? 
Because if I want to redirect my focus, I have to be honest enough to tell God that I repent because my focus was not where it should have been in the first place. Difficult. Difficult for us to come to God and to say, Lord, I've been busy building my own kingdom. I want to focus again on what you've called me to do. Difficult for us to admit that. Humility needed. Transparency needed. God already knows. God already knows. And I want us to invite God and to say, Lord, come show me, Lord. Have that teachability. Teach me, show me, and examine my heart. Show me, Lord. Because it's difficult to, to shift back, to being kingdom focused. Many times you want to downplay that. Yes, I admit that this certain area of my life, I've lost a bit of focus. You know, we, we tend to say stuff like that. I know because I do that as well. Instead of just saying, Lord, I've turned my gaze inwards, I lift my eyes to you. And now specifically, more than ever, we need to be aware of this. Because in that same passage of 1 Chronicles 3, 1 Corinthians 3, at the end it says, the worldly wisdom is foolishness with God. Because many times we say, hey, we need to be wise. Stuff isn't as it should be. The economy is failing. We're going through tough times. Just take care of yourself now. Later we will look again to the interest of others. God says, don't do that. I've said in my word, seek my kingdom and my righteousness and I will add all things to you as well. Take me on my word. I will provide for you. But don't hold on to the things that you might need because people around you need it now. Don't hold on to it. They need it now. You might need it then, but I will give it to you if you need it then. I will provide, but seek first my kingdom. I'm going to leave us with these last couple of verses. Philippians 3, from verse 17 to 19, has a bit of a warning for us as well. And it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Consider Aphrodite, consider Timothy. Follow the example. For, this is the reason, because of, for many of whom I've often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. The end is destruction. Nothing that they did will last. Their God is their bellies. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. That is their focus. You know, and I understand what Paul is saying here. With tears in his eyes. How many people have come through these doors, have gone with us on missions, have sat in small group with us, but the end is destruction because they lost focus. Where are they now? And the warnings there, you might have started, well, many did. Think about people that went with us on missions and said the words, I've never been lukewarm in my life again. I will follow God with everything in me. And now his end is destruction. Because he lost his focus. And we're going to pray and ask God, Lord, lead us. Because you care for them still to go and fetch them, Lord, where they are. To go and say to them, it's not too late. You can build well again. You started well, you lost your focus, but it's not too late. And pray and ask God to remind us of those people who walked with us. But got led astray. And the warning stands and God says, focus, because scripture says, once more, I will shake the world and everything in it. God's saying that. Not the enemy will come and shake stuff. God says, I will shake the world so that what is unshaken will remain standing. For we are citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do not lose focus. 
Set your mind on the things of God. Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ. Seek first the kingdom. God will add to you. But let us build well. So that we will stand strong for eternity. Let's stand tonight and pray together. Yes, Lord, Father, thank you that we can come before you, Lord. And I'm just going to say thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that many times, Father, we hear certain things, Lord, and we hear you saying stuff in your word, Father, or pressing certain buttons in our life, Lord, or coming to reveal certain things, Lord. And you are saying tonight, Lord, that you never reveal things to us, Lord, to create distance, but to draw us closer, Lord. You are not saying primarily, hey, some of you have lost focus. You, you've set your mind on earthly things. You're not busy with kingdom work. Therefore, you need to come and prove yourself to me again. No, Lord, you say simply come. I'm standing with arms wide open. And sometimes, Lord, we hear people say, no, God is pleased with you. No, he wants you to draw near. And we're like, how can that be? Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, that's how. His righteousness given to us. His perfect life imputed to us. And when God looks at us, he sees his son, perfect, spotless, blameless. And he says, you are my son, my daughter, with who I am well pleased. For salvation is a gift from God. And yes, Lord, tonight as we stand before you, Father, we want to pray, Holy Spirit, come and examine our hearts, Lord. Come and show us, Father. We have been focused, Lord, on earthly things. When we have our own interest in mind, not the things of Christ, Lord. So that we can lift up our voices to you. And there where you're standing, if God shows you something, or just leads you to focus again on him. Just in your own words, wouldn't you say, Lord, I'm coming, Father, to be heavenly minded. To focus on your kingdom, Lord, your interest at heart. Come and give grace to me, Lord, that I might pursue your kingdom and your righteousness above all else. Just there we are, won't you lift up your voice to God. And Lord, as we stand before you, Lord, and just coming, saying, Lord, we're focusing again, Father, on the things that you have called us to, Lord, in the midst of stuff that is shaken, Lord. We know that we are citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that will endure for eternity, Lord. And with that in mind, Lord, we ask that you would remind us, Father, of those people that have began with us, Lord, that they've started well, Father, but they've lost focus. So that we can go and call them back, Lord. And tell them that it's not too late. Your arms are still wide open, Lord. Your grace is still sufficient. Your love still endures, Lord. You haven't changed, Lord, and you never will. That they can return to you, Lord. And yes, Father, as we come and pray, Lord, say we want to be kingdom-minded, Lord. We're not speaking about shofar. We are speaking about all the people of God, Lord, regardless of where they gather on Sundays, Lord. Regardless of whose home they sit in on Wednesdays or in the week, Lord. It's not about shofar, Lord, but about your kingdom. But about your people, Father, the eternal building on the eternal foundation that will stand forever. Thank you that you are good, Lord. 
And I pray, Father, that even as we go through this week, Lord, you would just come and lead and guide us, Father, so that we can focus, Lord, on eternal things that we don't want to waste our lives. And whatever we do, Lord, we can do that with purpose, Father. doesn't mean that we should now quit our jobs and just start preaching the gospel and making disciples, Lord, but we can do that where we are. We can work heartily as unto the Lord, Lord, with whatever we are busy with. And thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leading. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. In Jesus' name, amen.